It's Friday night, which means it's time for another episode of the Friday Night Nicktoons podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Casey. Last week we had our recap of 2016, and we listed some of our favorite episodes in moment from the first calendar year of our podcast. We had a lot of uh, debating over our picks, right, Ashley? Our very different picks? Oh yeah, like almost every single one of them was different. Couldn't be more distinct. <laughs> Listen to the podcast and you'll know exactly what we're talking about. Yep. We also had our Twitter poll where we asked for you guys to decide between the three or four different theme songs that we had to pick between. So an interesting thing happened with this Twitter poll. You guys selected Fairly Odd Parents as the best theme song on our list with 47% of the vote. Shortly following was My Life as a Teenage Robot with 38%. And Ashley and I's unanimous number one choice, as told by Ginger, ended with just 9% of the vote in third place, with Cat Dog receiving just 6%. So... Um, all were excellent choices. It was just interesting to me how how lopsided it was. In our first episode of 2017, we have a very unique podcast for you. I can't take the credit for this. This one was uh, all Ashley's idea. We have three Nicktoon episodes with no dialogue. Yeah, these episodes have a larger focus on the visual and musical storytelling and are really interesting to watch. Also, we'll be taking a break from trivia for a bit while I recover from... Well, you know, I don't even want to talk about what happened. Well, I remember how great of a year it was and how many questions I got right and carry on and everything's great, but we'll, we'll be getting back to the trivia soon. Yeah, we can't wait to dive into these crazy episodes. Uh, thanks for tuning in. It feels so good to be the trivia king. I've really enjoyed my week-long victory lap, so uh, let's get started. <laughs> Our first episode is from Cat Dog. It's entitled Silence, Please, and it's from Season 3, Episode 2. And that's silence ending with an NTS, not silence. <laughs> so kind of an interesting play on words there. Uh, in this one, a double outbreak made up of laryngitis and colorblindness transforms the entire town, oh, and the rest of the universe, into the scene of a silent film. Yeah, I find the concept of that alone to be so great. We actually do start this one out with a little bit of dialogue. There are talking to each other and they start saying like oh i'm losing my voice we flip on over to the television and the newscaster is you know he's talking about how there's a an onset of color blindness and he was like and we're also getting laryngitis and sort of mid-sentence he completely loses his voice and we get into this black and white silent film situation which is just such a funny concept to me. For one, the idea that there's like an onset of colorblindness. Like that's a thing that could just be spread temporarily. Yeah. How would that even work, cynical scientist? <laughs> like, <laughs> although they're not really claiming any sort of like hoity-toity science in this episode. It's, very, it's just a very obvious setup for a, a very unique episode concept. 
we have this odd... I give credit to whoever played the piano for this episode and whoever wrote it. It's just a constant stream of this vaudeville sort of silent film era piano. And it's kind of complicated and it just goes and goes and goes with all the action that's happening. Yeah, you're really gonna... You know, it just it sets you up for the mood of what's going on. And honestly, I, I want to give them credit too. I think... Well, probably not quite, but I, I feel like this is the one that's the least dialogue based for the longest time. Might be between this one and the third one we'll talk about, but definitely just the idea of, you know, keeping people's attention without dialogue is a pretty risky move, I feel like. But they do it so well. Oh, absolutely. We, we also get this thing at the beginning. There's, um, I can't can't remember his name. Does he have one, the bad bunny guy? Well, they just refer to him as the mean old rabbit man later. <laughs> yeah, so I, if he has a name, they don't reference it at any point. But we see him, and he's making he's making all of these motions. He's, like, pounding his fist against his hand. He's uh, making some kind of, like, hand motions that look kind of like he's asking for money. And we know at this point that, because it's mentioned in the beginning, that Cat dog is worried about losing their house because they've been missing payments. So we get sort of the interpretation, and we'll get back to this later, but the, the interpretation that he wants money from them and he's gonna beat them up and potentially kill them if they don't get it to them, get it to him soon. So they need to come up with a scheme yeah, to pull th- some money. This is all taken off of his physical gestures, which are painstakingly clear, even without dialogue. So we think. We'll get back to that at the end. Um, can we talk about their business idea that they make to, to make money? It's cute, yeah. but it's a little weird. They just, they have this stand, and they're just, they're selling apples. Only apples, not like a fruit stand, <laughs> not like apple juice, just a bunch of apples. I don't know where they even get these apples from, but they just have a stand. And it's a pretty nicely made stand, too. It's like apple-shaped. I don't know where they get that from without any money, but... They're selling apples. It's a great idea. And there's this adorable little girl who looks stricken by poverty, who doesn't have enough money for the apple, and they don't sell her one, and the, the, the pace quickly changes to something else. So that moment is kind of glossed over. We move on, but it does come back at the end. Um, yeah, and like you, you noted, Ashley, the music, the, in the piano music, there's some references to their typical cat-dog music, but it's an, on this honky-tonk piano, and it's so delightful. Yeah, like, we get, there's sort of a theme that always seems to happen when they're, like, being chased by, you know, the, the gang of those those rascally dogs, and, yeah, they, they've got that going, but completely in piano, and it's, it's just fun. It, it really is. It's a fun episode. Um, you know, the plot is a little bit lighter, I guess, without dialogue. You can't explain things that are way too complicated. Um, but, and I feel like, too, they, they also play on a lot of sort of old-school, silent movie kind of moments, right? Like Right, there's a train. They, they're getting chased. They run into a train. They run on top of a train. I feel like that's like a classic old totally. movie thing, right? totally. Yeah, so they go through, they cycle through, like, every silent film trope ever. It's, like, very Chaplin. It's very, you know, 20s. And uh, there's a constant undercurrent of misunderstanding in this entire episode of thinking one thing, but the truth is 
really another. Like, Cat Dog is seen to be these thie this thief because they, uh, um, they look like, uh, a cat and dog duo that gets busted, that they, they get their picture snapped while they're stealing bags of money. So there's a misunderstanding there, they're getting chased, they're, uh, yeah, so then they, they hit the train, they stick to it because... Of course they do. They climb to the top. It's just exhilarating. I'm just like, I'm hooked. Uh, you, they're not speaking, but you're like, man, what's what's happening here? Yeah, and again, you've got this constant chase. There's there's both the chase from them and the police, and then they're being chased by their classic rivals. Yeah, the there's, grease, there's also, the again, the misunderstanding. They see sort of this classic scene of a girl tied up to the train tracks, the guy is leaving her there and you know they go to save her go to stop the bad guy and we find out that they're actually filming a movie that just happens to have this scene and now they've ruined it all so. i loved that yeah that was so meta that in the world of this silent film that well we're seeing it as a silent film that they're really just filming a movie <laughs> and they but remember that they're colorblind and they can't speak either. So like they had to somehow coordinate an entire unless they were already filming the movie. But I like to think they the world turned black and white and then they lost their ability to speak and they just somehow silently communicated that they needed to make a movie and take advantage of this. Or maybe fair, if it was a real movie, you'd think you'd want them to be able to talk, right? I guess, unless they were like, wait a minute, this is just like a silent film. Why don't we go tie a girl up on the train tracks? Yeah, and that's that's how I like to picture it, too. They're <laughs> like, let's take this opportunity to make a silent movie within the silent movie episode that we are watching. Unfortunately, if we lost our ability to speak, our medium would be pretty much done for. <laughs> yeah, how do you guys feel about no dialogue podcasts? Yeah, a no dialogue podcast, that would, uh, that would win us some awards, right? Casey, Casey just plays music the whole time. And you, uh, make science noises. <laughs> I don't know what that entails. I, I mean, I guess I could, like, go into the lab. You could listen to some <laughs> test tubes moving around. It'd be, it'd be oh, thrilling, guys. Man. Um, so then they end up in this shed that is balancing on a cliff. On, and then the cliff, like, falls apart. So it's balancing on only a tiny little, like, corner of this cliff. And it really reminded us of Macbeth in Space that we recently discussed. Yeah. And uh, in this one, we at least get to see the actual resolution under, unlike the ending of Macbeth in Space. And we, we do get to see them. They kind of, they're slowly trying to balance it. There's a baseball on a shelf that ends up, like, falling off. So they have to try to, like, catch it and keep the balance. And they do. But then a single drop of water actually makes the shed tip. Indeed. Just makes it completely tumble down. Um, I'm pretty sure the next major plot point is the crooks, the, like, thief duo of this cat and a dog, ends up getting caught, and cat dog gets the reward money. And mm -hmm. I don't get why, but even though they owe money to this <laughs> rabbit guy, they, they give all the of the money. Girl, and they give all of their money to her. All of it. The like, poor girl from why? the beginning. Yeah. But I then the poor girl takes the money, hops in a limo, laughing at them, and we realize that they've been conned. It was a very long con that was, you know, 
needed a lot of luck to work out. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, it's pretty pretty low chances. But again, I, I mean, I understand helping people out who are in worse situations than you, but you're potentially getting your house taken away. Yeah. Right? Like, isn't that some amount of a priority? I understand giving her some money, but all of it, not the brightest. Yep. But then, the as the the mean old rabbit man comes back, uh, they assume to request more money. And just as the world, the colorblindness goes away, their laryngitis all heals at the same time, apparently. And the rabbit comes back, and he's talking, he starts talking, and Cat says, the mean old rabbit man can talk too, or maybe that's a dog, and then realizes, oh wait, he can hear that, we're out, we're talking out loud again. And then do you want to talk about the big reveal? You want to mention the big reveal at the end? Yeah. Oh my god. This is, this is the best. It's brilliant. Ending of the whole episode is that he explains, like using the same hand motions, he's like, I was going to a boxing match, which is what his fist was <laughs> for, and I needed some hand cream. Which is which his money gesture. <laughs> symbolizing was. And he was like, and my neck always gets dry, which was like the, like, you know, hand swiping across the neck killing <gasps> it's brilliant truly, truly. I, so, so it was a very tropey predictable oh, episode and that so wasn't <laughs> it was it was it was good stuff and then they all go deaf at the end like that the newscaster is like and eh, next up everyone starts to get an ear infection what did you say cut Huh? And that's the end of the episode. <laughs> so are they all going deaf? Yeah, I guess uh, I guess so. I guess this is a weird world where, again, these things can... Outbreaks of deafness can happen and temporarily and be healed, as well as outbreaks of colorblindness and laryngitis and all that fun, fun stuff. What a world. Alright, well that's, I think that wraps up my thoughts on this one. It's a ton of fun. I had such a great time watching this episode. Yeah, definitely, like I said, original concept, cool way of doing it, uh, kind of an interesting manner of making the concept in there, but I had a good time with it as well, and that, that sums up my thoughts. Um, up next, we'll have an episode from Spongebob. Our second segment is a Spongebob-themed episode. It's called Reef Blower, and it's from Season 1, Episode 1B. And that's 1B out of C for, you know, the only time I think that happens. This is the shortest segment, and in this one, Spongebob attempts to move a shell off of his lawn. That's pretty much it. <laughs> and we, so we already watched Season 1, Episode 1A, back in our first episode ever with that classic loving in the sunlight, loving in the moonlight, having a wonderful time, that, uh, that first episode help wanted. So this is the second thing of Spongebob that the public saw. Yeah, and it's, this is a really, it's more of a short segment. I would say that a true episode, I think a total in length is a little over two minutes. Yeah. So we're not we're not quite hitting the full plot points of the, the cat dog episode previously. It's more of just like a a quick quick bit situation. And basically it's SpongeBob using a reef blower and 
He keeps trying to move this shell off of his lawn, and much to Squidward's annoyance, I, I do think it works well as a mechanism of kind of introducing their relationship as neighbors, because in the 1A, we don't quite see that as much. We see them as, you know, work partners, but just kind of Squidward trying to live his life, SpongeBob getting in his way of that very much so. Totally. Yeah, it sets up the relationship very well. And it does, you saying that comment made me realize, you know, they could have just had SpongeBob annoy another co-worker. They could have had a new character that's his co-worker at the Krusty Krab. So poor Squidward has to deal with not only being his neighbor, but his co-worker. And what a horrible, miserable existence that must be. Yeah, and, and again, I, I do think, especially when you're younger, you... You think, oh, Squidward, he's just such a, a bummer and stuff. But really, Squidward does interrupt what... Or SpongeBob interrupts what would be Squidward's ideal life. You know, he's... And he can't avoid him, ever. He's always around at work. He gets home. And then he's still there. It's just... It's rough. I feel for him. I do. I, and I feel like... As you get older, you tend to feel for him more and more. He is definitely at times, you know, a little bit malintended, I would say. It's a good word, but uh-huh. the whole, he's I do like, feel for the guy. He's mostly just sad. Like, he has a sad life. So, and, I mean, he... there is one cute gag when so SpongeBob is, like, using this reef blower, and he opens it up to let, like, some of the sand out that he's been, you know... And the blower, like, coughs. It's like a human cough noise. I thought that was kind of a fun visual gag in an episode where you can't make any dialogue jokes. Oh, yeah, this whole thing is silent, obviously, because we're in a no-dialogue episode. It's not totally clear why, because it doesn't have to be, but I think it works. Yeah, I, I think it's just, I mean, it's, it's not like there's no onset of laryngitis in this one, but like I guess it's, it's just a fun thing to play with. Um, we do have a non-spoken dialogue moment where Spongebob points at the shell and we see the word you show up as like a subtitle on the screen. <laughs> and that's that's the only sort yeah. of thing that happens. I guess it's, it's a basic concept. You know, he's just, he's moving around a shell on the lawn and there's, there's no reason to need dialogue, I suppose. Right. Yeah, there's just sort of wordless frustration from Squidward, and, like, Spongebob is locked in to this task that he is doing. He also ends up draining the entire ocean into his, uh, into his reef blower, which is, I think, a pretty hilarious way to introduce, like, bikini bottom physics to the audience, because, as we see over and over again, there aren't a ton of rules, but it's, it, it plays around with physics. Like, when Patrick asks Spongebob, how is there a fire underwater, and then it immediately goes out... I yes, love that it's stuff. One of, one of the highlights, I think. And yeah, I think too. We also see, you know, Squidward's almost dying again. He's just having a rough time of this whole moment just because SpongeBob's trying to get this shell off of his lawn. And in the end, after all is said and done and the water gets sprayed back out, Squidward's lawn gets covered in a bunch of piles of sand. Uh, SpongeBob's is completely clear. And Squidward, in a pile of sand, the the seashell just lands, like, right on top of him. 
Yep, after all of that. And that's, yeah, that's pretty much the episode. It's cute. It's fun. I'm sure you've all seen it. Yeah, again, this this one's short. It's quick. It's not as uh, plot-heavy as the other ones we'll talk about. But I think, I think it does a good job of, like I said, it's definitely just setting up their sort of personality traits and them dealing with each other. Totally. All right, well, next up we have an episode from the Angry Beavers. Our third episode is from Angry Beavers, entitled Silent But Deadly, from Season 3, Episode 6B. In this one, when the Beaver Brothers wake up one morning, they discover that their house is full of sleeping wolverines that would eat them at the first opportunity they get. Norb and Dag agree to remain silent at all times in order to make it outside, though they found that their they find that their own house is working against them in avoiding being detected by these wolverines. This one I think does the best job of making a pretty elaborate plot with almost truly no dialogue whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do so Even much like, with so little in this agreeing. episode. Sorry, what? They do so much with so little in this episode. Yeah, and the, the music and sound effects are spot on the whole way through. Yeah, it's like the orchestration of it is so great. Every single physical gesture is accompanied by some instrument, and it's always fitting. It's always dramatic and interesting. I'm just obsessed with this episode. We clearly need to do more Angry Beavers because we've loved every single thing we've seen from them. Like, loved it. Yeah, and we've only done three episodes now, this being the third. We definitely need to get more into it. I I remember, too, as a kid, and maybe it's because so many of the jokes are so much more complicated, but I remember not getting it much. Like, I kind of watched it aimlessly, but I didn't care about what was happening. Mm-hmm. And I think I sort of, both of us would hit the late end of that if you were even watching them. So definitely revisiting it. It's so smart. Every episode we've seen so far has been so well thought out. And I just, I really appreciate all the work that they must have put in. It's clever. They're all different. They all have crazy things happening. And it's it's just a great show. Yeah, so in this one, they, you know wake up, and there's not even a word said at the beginning. It's, uh, um, Norbert quickly realizes there are wolverines all over his house, a horrifying concept as it is. Can we talk about the fact that their pajamas cover their beaver tails? There's, they have, like, yes. little beaver tail covers, and it's adorable. It really is, and they're, they're just living their cute lives. They also, they have these bunk beds that are canoes, which is really cute <sighs> to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about Cat Dog's bed. I, they have a cool bed where, like, each side is custom to their own kind of interests. Yeah, and anyway. they both have, I mean, I guess, like, you could just put pillows on the side of either bed, but, you know, it's well set up for both of them to be comfortable. Totally. So I, yeah, I love this episode. Um, it was actually pretty genuinely terrifying. Like, I was concerned about... Daggett and Norbert through this entire episode. Yeah, I also feel like Angry Beavers, I have no reason to believe that they'll necessarily be okay in the end. <laughs> that's, that's true, too. Stakes are high. Like, at one point, 
they end up opening one of the sleeping wolverine's mouths, and there's a beaver skeleton inside of it. Yeah, also, I, I love, there's not even a discussion between them, like, oh, let's be silent. It's just, like, hand movements of uh, Norbert just saying, like, look, wolverines, look, don't don't say things. The whole thing is just really well done. And uh, they also, they, they pantomime to each other, sort of like, here's different ways we can get out of the house. And just the whole communication method, like, they're not even whispering to each other, they're just agreed, let's be silent, this is terrifying. And we're also, again, through things like the, the skeletons in the mouths, and they kind of look through this wildlife book, that's the only thing that we get to know, like, these are wolverines, they are going to eat them, and that fear is just generated through through that, and the whole thing is tense, truly. It totally is, and yeah, it's a stressful episode to watch, but it's really, it's really fun, too, and it's, like, the opposite of that phrase that, like, true insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. They are changing their tactic every single time it doesn't work, and I love seeing them brainstorm. They're, they're clever little little beavers. And, like, they use a fly to deliver a help message. First of all, I don't know who it's to. They don't really have friends. And second of all, how is a fly going to get it there? Which is, you know, proven correct because the fly immediately hits a window. Yeah, it's not, you know, the greatest. But the other thing I like is that they try many methods, but no matter what happens, they always end up back in bed. (laughs) Yes. And... You know, they try, um, originally they're going to just eat their way through the house, you know, they're beavers, so just, like, kind of get through the wood, and they end up realizing that's way too loud. Um, they try to climb the electrical cables from the ceilings, and they pretty much nearly get eaten, and again, thrown back into bed through crazy antics. Everything that happens, they end up somehow back in their bed, and I think... Um, I think that the last one that happens that is out of hand, they make a catapult. Yeah. Sends them into space. But even as they're being launched into space, you know they're going to end up back in their bed quickly, somehow. Yes. I I expected them to just land directly back there, but Me no. Too. It, takes, it takes a little bit of a more creative route. They They land back. I don't remember. They do something with the space station up in space come back, and people are, like, celebrating them. Apparently, they've done some amazing things in space. Everyone's <laughs> so proud of them. They have, like, a parade. And then after the parade, these people just bring them back, put them in bed. <laughs> it's so funny. And they're right back where they started. And then uh, Norbert leaves Dag a note. <laughs> Or it might be the other way around. Um, I think it is Norbert leaves Dag a note. And Dag reads it, and in his voice, you just hear, I left the coffee pot on. (laughs) It's the only line in the entire episode. (laughs) And it's... And then, of course, through, you know, the terrible way that these these things end up going on is this fly that was earlier going to deliver the message wakes up, lands on the nose of one of the wolverines, wakes them all up after them trying to be quiet for so long, ends up getting ruined by a fly. 
And, uh, yeah, they, they get out of the house, finally. They slam the door on the Wolverines, and they come out to see, like, the entire next, I don't even know, square mile or so. <laughs> is covered, it's just covered in sleeping Wolverines. Wolverines. And it's, it's like they have a moment where they take a breath when they get out the door where it's like, oh, everything's going to be okay. Instantly realize they're, they're doomed, and that's the end of the episode. <laughs> Yeah, similarly to that Macbeth in space. I still moment, can't get over that, yeah. You're not you're not really reassured that they're going to end up okay. Yeah, not at all. I mean to be honest, they could barely make it out of their house. I don't know how they're gonna make it out of I don't even know how, how long these wolverines are covering. I don't know why they're they're sleeping like within like two square feet of one another. Mm-hmm. Terrifying. Terrifying, but Really, I, I just, I love the way this this episode, you know, played with not having dialogue, worked with it well. I, I liked the way that, I think, you know, with with them, like, going back to bed every time, they, they kind of realized we were expecting it, so they made a setup that was ridiculous for it in the end, and the whole thing, you know, it, it was really fun, I think. I love this. It managed to be so funny, too. And it's not like they use lazy visual gags. It's it's all clever stuff. And the music just enhanced it so much for me. I think all three of these episodes are made. They live and die by their music. And props to everyone who worked on that because it was very effective in all of these episodes. I think that sums up everything I wanted to say. You good? Mine too. Yep, we're going to skip right over trivia. We're going right to our conclusion, which will have our fun fact, our Twitter poll, and a preview of next week. Our fun fact this week is Spongebob themed, and it's related to specifically the episode Reef Blower that we looked at. It turns out that the reason that it's dialogue free is actually that their audio equipment wasn't working that day. So they decided just to play around with the sound effects they had, and we got what we ended up getting, which I think is pretty funny. I love that. It makes me so happy that they were able to find a creative solution on a deadline. It's also funny because that would never happen to SpongeBob after what a big deal it became, but it wasn't there yet. This was released in the first episode. Yeah, and I mean, at this point, they had no idea that it would explode to be what it was. So they, again, they had to get an episode going. They did what they did, what they did, put it together. And honestly, it's, it's one that I certainly still remember to this day because of its like a dialogue. So pretty cool that it ended up kind of being a happy accident, if you will. Yeah, very original. And for our fun fact in Twitter poll, it's interesting we're sticking to a SpongeBob theme when the other two episodes were so unique. But we thought this Twitter poll question was interesting. Are you a Squidward or a SpongeBob? So check us out at FNN underscore podcast on Twitter or Facebook.com slash FNN podcast and uh, answer our Twitter poll question because I'm going to have a hard time answering this one. It's an interesting one. Yeah, I, I feel like for me too, there's a lot of personality traits that I share with one or the other, but trying to decide specifically which one I'm feeling is, is going to be tough for sure. On top of that, next week is Friday the 13th. Ooh. For those of you who don't know, it's a very scary, terrifying day for the superstitious of us, and we have a couple of Friday the 13th-themed episodes we'll be looking at. Yeah, that should be a fun one, playing around with superstition, and, uh, you know, it's our first Friday 13th of the podcast. We've been wanting to do this one for a while, so can't believe it took this long. 
Well, that wraps up our first episode of 2017. It should be another great year of Nicktoon discussion. Uh, Keep tweeting at us. Keep interacting. We love hearing your thoughts on the show and on the things that we're talking about. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.